Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. On a Saturday night, but when the Bucks beat the Sixers, it doesn't really matter what day it is. I think that that warrants a pod. And it wasn't just a win. It was a complete obliteration of the Sixers, really from start to finish. They beat Philadelphia 119-98 in a game that, that I don't know about you, Frank, but this didn't even feel this close. Like, I, I was looking at the scoreboard at halftime. It was 56-50. to 50. The free throw differential ultimately kept the sixes a little bit closer than you would have thought. But this was really from start to finish domination from the Bucs. And the sixes never really looked like they had any type of answer for what the Bucs were throwing at them. Yeah, I mean, Bucks push out to a 12-2 lead to start the game. Giannis hitting three jump shots, a, a kind of dribble in like, sure, why not three, after hitting a couple of kind of mid-range shots on Joel Embiid. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was tweeting this out, like, as these shots were going up, I was, you know, I was looking at what Giannis's three-point shooting had been of late because, I mean, I don't think, you know, you have to be following the team that closely. You know, he hasn't been shooting the three ball as well his percentage to dip below 31% after the 0 for 3 night in Detroit. And, I mean, if anybody's going to dare him to shoot, we know it's going to be Joel Embiid. We saw that on Christmas Day when he went, what was it, 0 for 7. Um, so, you know, yeah, you, you had a good bet that if Giannis was going to play well tonight, he would have to at least keep the Sixers somewhat honest with his jump shot. And uh, they came out, he hits a couple of mid-rangers early, hits that 3 um, to give them that early lead. And again, I mean, the Sixers kind of came back at, at a few points. I mean, it was only a, technically a six-point game at halftime. I think they got it down to one um, once or twice. But uh, you never felt like Philly was really like that they just had the horsepower to win this game. Um, they didn't shoot the ball well early, but as we were just joking um, before the pod, uh, they actually ended up uh, essentially even with the Bucks in percentage terms. Um, so that really wasn't really a storyline of this game of why the Bucks dominated. Um, but, uh, you know, again, this game came down to much like the last game, Giannis Dedekumbo is the best player in the world and Joel Embiid tries, he might speak it into existence is not. <laughs> well, I think that, and I mean, that's, that's definitely the best place to start here because we know after Christmas day and, and I saw that you actually just tweeted out the updated numbers. I don't know if you've got them handy, but Giannis against the Sixers since they've had this squad, since Mike Budenholzer has been in charge, has been putting up just ridiculous numbers. And before the game uh, tonight, it was about 14 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. Tonight he has 31 points, 17 rebounds, 8 assists in 29 minutes. And I think I mentioned this on the last pod, but when I was watching this game, and before we go any further, I, I think that we do have to mention, because I'm sure if the shoe was on the other foot, we would be talking about this. As, as a big talking point for Milwaukee. Ben Simmons comes into the game with, with lower back tightness. I was at Sixers shoot around in the morning and I saw him 
wrapped up in a heat pack on his back uh, at shoot around. He didn't look great. He didn't look great in his four minutes and 44 seconds in this one. And clearly he's a, he's a vital part of their team, no matter what you may think of him overall as a player. Certainly defensively, he plays a big part in what they were trying to do. So he goes out in the first four minutes. And then back to MB. This is what I said on the last podcast. As I was watching this matchup unfold, and, and obviously Embiid got in some foul trouble, he picked up his fourth foul in the third quarter. He just does not look like a guy to me that has the physical capability to do the job that he would need to do on both ends of the floor. Now, clearly, he had a great, great day on Christmas Day, for sure. But it's been the resumption of normal activities in these last two games to what we've seen in the past, where when he's tasked with the job of defending Giannis and then has to be their number one guy on the other end scoring the ball, I just don't think he's capable of doing that. And when I was watching this, uh, this, these matchups play out today, there wasn't one time where I looked and thought, well, the Sixers actually, you know, they have the advantage with this five-man lineup over the Bucks. Not once. And when Embiid was out on the floor, or sorry, when Embiid went to the bench, uh, this was in the second quarter before he was even in foul trouble. Obviously, there's no Ben Simmons, and this is typically when he's playing. But they had to run a lineup of Horford, Tobias Harris, Corkmaz, Burks, and uh, might have been Robinson, I, I think. Anyway, it was, an- it was another player. I thought it was. So when I'm looking at that matchup, I'm like, okay, well, there's, there's absolutely zero shot creation in that lineup. Al Horford is, I don't know if he's washed. I, I really don't know. I mean, he's, he's an absolute shadow of what he used to be right now in Philadelphia for whatever reason. And now it's been two straight games. Sure, after Christmas Day, I must admit, I was like, okay, they've got size. They've got a lot of things they can bring to the table that they could scare you. But now that the trade deadline has passed, they didn't really make any significant moves. I just don't think that they have, as you said, I didn't think that they've got the, the lineup, the roster, the depth to go 48 minutes with the Bucks. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your short list of applicants. Also add skills to test your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skill tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. Offered valid through March 31, 2020. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this, you know, Embiid, when he has uh, a half-court setting, when he can sit back and Giannis isn't making threes and Giannis has to drive at him. Um, I mean, tonight as well, he's really tough to go at. You know, it's not like Giannis was you know, no. blowing by him all night long. Uh, really, I, I don't know if it was, I think it was in, not really until the third quarter where, you know, Giannis really went at him with success. Um, now, I think Giannis is a pragmatist. He knows that he's going to have to kick out a lot when he drives on Joel, um, but he's not afraid to do it. And tonight he had some counters in the sense that 
he was able to, you know, okay, he drives in and, you know, he's nothing there. He's got that little falling, you know, 10, 15 foot jump shot that we've seen with a lot more regularity over the last, uh, you know, month or so. And so that was really the weapon I'd say in the first half that kind of kept um, Philly, you know, struggling to, to really find like, well, how do you, what do you, how do you stop this dude? Right. I mean, like you, you yeah. do everything right and you still end up, um, you know, not being able to contain him. And um, so even when Embiid is, is, you know, in the half court, um, you know, again, is if Giannis has that little mid range working reasonably well, um, that's such an important counter. And, you know, this, this is like a matchup where it's so especially important just given how Joel can wall off the paint. Now in the third quarter, we saw him just blow by Embiid in a half court for an and one for his fourth foul. We saw him get the better of Embiid on the break um, with kind of a kind of wrong footed like Embiid kind of bailed out and Giannis had to sort of adjust and finish on a tough play. And then he just blew by Al Horford when Embiid was out. Um, so you saw the explosiveness and the advantage that, that can create for Giannis, which, you know, against most big men, that's obviously the big thing he has, just his ability to explode and you know, use those Euro steps to just keep guys on their heels. Um, but really important that, you know, it wasn't just layups. It wasn't just those kind of moves that, yeah. that you know, were, were important tonight. Um, and I'd say the other thing too is, so, I mean, people I think are going to, you know, when they look at that, the, the matchup of the, the Sixers versus Bucks, I think it's only human that people watch, especially like that Christmas Day game, they see Embiid, you know, really kind of make it hard for Giannis just trying to drive at him. And they're going to over-index on the half court, and they're not going to realize kind of what you were alluding to, which is that it's a big challenge for Joel Embiid to run up and down the court with Giannis. And, you know, we saw it, you know, as a, there was that one play in the third where, Gian, where Embiid actually did get back and he, he couldn't do anything. Um, but in the first half, Giannis also attacked them a number of times where it was very obvious. We saw uh, one in the first, one in the second half, uh, Chris Middleton, you know, those like half-court uh, look-ahead passes yeah. where they're trying to beat guys down the floor. Um, and when Giannis got the ball off turnovers or rebounds, we saw him really looking to push tempo because obviously Joel is not going to be able to sprint up and down the court with them. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where silently, and this is why he's, you know, he averaged 43 a game against them last, last year. I mean, this is why he was, why he did it last year. This is why his numbers, you know, the 36, 16, seven numbers are so huge is because, you know, okay, make Giannis play a half court game, make him shoot jump shots. It's all fine and good, but you know the reality is to actually execute that, be able to do that for 48 minutes, let alone you know a whole playoff series. It's just you can't do it. Um, and so this is sort of the the bargain you have to strike if you're going to try to play, you know, essentially centers, uh, whether it's Embiid, who obviously is bigger and heavier, and you know doesn't have the I'd say the stamina to kind of run up and down the court all game, or Horford, who I think just is a bit too old and obviously isn't as as big and talented defensively as Horford is. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously big credit to Giannis, you know, ironically his 31 point night, uh, hurts his, the scoring numbers against the Sixers of the last two years. Um, but super efficient 17 shots, um, you know, hit that early three, then hit another three in the third quarter, gave us a little shimmy. That was sort of the capper, but, um, really in that third quarter, I think both him and Middleton had 12. Chris was just, you know, lights out from mid range again tonight. He has 25 on 15 shots, nine rebounds. Um, you know, Giannis plus 25, Chris plus 27. I thought obviously those two guys, again, those two guys were those two guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of, Oh, it's a good team. And so Chris Milton is going to show up. 
I mean, Chris Middleton is showing up every night and he's just shooting the lights out. And uh, I mean, geez, Chris, I hope you got a few more months of this in you because if you do this for, you know, the next, let's say through June, um, I'd say you feel really good about the Bucks' chances of winning an NBA title. So uh, again, part of me is just like, man, you know, just keep it up. Don't get hurt. You know, just do this night in and night out. And um, obviously you have to feel really good about where the Bucks are going. All right, so just a couple of notes uh, or interesting points from post-game tonight. And I'm going to bring it right back to Giannis. <laughs> but uh, I asked Bud about, I mean, you already pointed to those mid-range shots that he was taking. And there's no, there's no doubt, there's no question that this has become more frequent in, what would you say, the last, the last month, probably? It seems like he's been taking yeah. more of these. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, maybe last few weeks. Yeah, so I mean, I asked Bud tonight because it was obviously very noticeable tonight. And I think the big thing is that we saw it as, as a nice, almost bailout option because as you pointed to, there was multiple times where Giannis uh, got to the point where he would normally be able to euro around a guy or you know just contort his body in some crazy way that he can get a layup off. And Embiid is so big that he wasn't able to do that. So then he picks up his dribble and he's kind of stuck. And that's when the Sixers, particularly on Christmas Day, were able to surround him and make life difficult. And it's kind of felt like on Christmas Day, he was forcing up a lot of those shots. We always talk a lot about, um, you know, he's touch around the basket. If you're going to knock him on anything, maybe that would be it. And he missed a bunch of those that uh, were maybe, maybe gettable shots. So I thought having that as an option where he can sort of pivot, turn, uh, get that fadeaway off has been has been obviously huge for him in the last month. And and Bud said when I asked him, has this been Giannis uh, taking the initiative and saying I'm going to get more of these up? This is a shot I need. And Bud said, well, I think you know he's missed a couple of games here, and and the All Star breaks come, and he just looks like he's got more lift. He looks a little bit more energized, which you know, it wasn't the best answer to hear. And maybe Bud just actually doesn't know and he's just uh, giving me something to, <laughs> something to work with. But Giannis, when he was asked about this, was really interesting. He said, uh, well, Kyle told me, first of all, that I need to get more arc on my shot. And so I've been working on getting more arc on that shot, getting it up in the air and, and giving myself a chance to get it in. And it's interesting because Korva, we've spoken about this a lot, his back's uh, obviously keeping him out for a while. He's not going to be on this uh, road trip coming up. But when we spoke about the signing of Kyle Korver, we said maybe this would be the best effect of having that guy on your roster. Time and time again, we're hearing, whether it's Bledsoe, whether it's Giannis, that Kyle Korver is talking to these guys, giving them some hints about their shot. Giannis uh, pointed to uh, Korver as the guy that said, hey, get the ball up in the air and maybe uh, you'll start knocking those down. I'm sure that's been the case with his free throws uh, as well, even though you know, not, not necessarily the best night tonight. What was he, five for eight? But uh, that's, that's just great to hear. And the other thing Giannis said that I thought was really noteworthy was that he said, I know in my head I'm going to need to get up two or three of these or I'm going to need to make two or three of these in the playoffs. And when things get tough in the playoffs and you're in the real grind of a series that might be six, seven games, if I don't have that shot, I'm going to be in trouble. I need to get two or three of these up a game. And just to hear him say the Culver stuff, and also the fact that he's thinking about the playoffs and what he needs to do in the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that to me is, is huge. Yeah. And this kind of underlines, you know, the three point shot is obviously what people always talk about with him, but developing three point shot and developing kind of a um, bailout shot, let's call it uh, serve two very different purposes, right? The, the three point shot 
is about really countering the way teams defend him kind of at the start of when he's got the ball, right? Like he's got the ball 25 feet from the basket. What are they doing? Well, Joel Embiid is sort of the extreme in terms of laying off, right? Um, So very obvious against a guy like Joel, you want to be able to knock down a three just to give him something to think about. And fortunately, it's two out of five tonight. You know, he had been in his own head a bit. What was he, one out of 14 or something like that um, in the first two games this year? And Joel just basically saying, I don't think you can hit that, um, which is ironically something the Bucks sort of do to a lot of guys uh, where they just sort of dare him to shoot. Um, so the, the three-point shot is really about, you know, forcing teams to kind of play him honestly. And then you hope that sort of opens up more ability to drive and keep teams on their heels. The those kind of like following mid range that, you know, and, and it's, I will say this, he's in these last couple of games, he's hit the kind of baseline turnaround a couple of times as well, which I would kind of put in a little different category. Obviously it's a similar, you know, m- type of move. Um, but for me, uh, it, it is a little bit different. I still don't like that shot particularly. Right, right, right. Um, but I thought, I think the point you, you referenced about Giannis saying, you know, getting some arc on it, um, his body is in a little bit different position a lot of times when he's doing these, these sort of step backs from the lane. And we've seen him get the role on a number of occasions. I think in like that Boston game, I think once or twice the ball kind of danced around on the rim. But again, he didn't shoot a line drive, which, you know, his free throw routine, which thanks to Matt Velasquez for, you know, obviously if anybody's going to appreciate a story on, on Giannis's free throw routine, it'd be me. Um, you know, he's going to five dribbles and just, going up which is apparently something that his shooting coach Ben Sullivan has sort of been trying to get him to do for a long time now he's just sort of decided to do it tonight again five out of eight nothing to write home about but you know above his season average and you know for the most part I think the numbers have been notably better he's about 70 percent since starting to do that so um but his free throw is still pretty line drive-ish right it's not like he's putting a lot of arc on his on his on his free throw um he definitely puts more arc on his three-point shot um but that step back from the lane it does involve it. It's definitely the, the, the softest shot that he shoots and it, and it should be because again, like you're just trying to really get enough air under it so that you can get it to the front of the rim. And, you know, like we've seen even in the last few weeks, um, sometimes you can get yourself the roll and, um, and yeah, that's, it's basically, again, it doesn't start a possession, but it lets him try to see if a drive is there. Cause again, like you always want him to be aggressive and attacking, but when he gets walled off, then you can say, okay, I've still got like a pretty reliable shot I can go to that the defense can't counter really. I mean, they can't stop it. So I think that's a, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation when you think about, you know, moves and ways to basically keep a defense guessing. And, and again, it's like an opening move versus a finishing move in a lot of ways. The three point move is like an opening move, um, you know, basically kind of making you change the way you defend him at the start of when he's attacking versus that move is, is one that, basically kind of just doesn't give you an out, right? It's basically saying, all right, you can do everything right, and I'm still going to be able to hurt you. So, um, so yeah, fun watching him continue to do that. And, um, yeah, of course, if he's doing that, right, again, this is one of those things like we saw a lot of times when the Bucks lost this year, Giannis had kind of bad shooting nights from three. Obviously, the Christmas Day game is the kind of biggest example of that. Um, and this, again, is another way to sort of kind of give you another counter another thing you can do so that you're not as dependent on obviously the layups and drives and free throws, which you want. Um, but also not, you know, it's not boom or bust from three point range either. You have another kind of thing in your bag of tricks, which I know there was, I forgot, I don't even know who the heck that person was, but there was that 
you know, person that tweeted something about Giannis not having anything in his bag, in his bag, right? Um, You want to talk about two bad calls this week (laughs) for the automatic reaction. First of all, it's that guy that said Giannis has got no bag. And the second one goes to Joel Embiid for saying he's the best player in the world and then just getting destroyed by actually the best player in the world. Can you talk about two bad calls? Uh, it was, it was tough, but, uh, yeah, it was like, kind of like Giannis saying, Oh, I got, I got back for days, uh, here in the, these past two games with, you know, Detroit also just starting with, with a number of mid range jump shots. Um, so as always, you know, it's all just about balance with him. And, um, obviously he's been balancing things really well all season. And if he's got yet another, if he is now has another, you know, a safety valve move that he hadn't really had in the past, then that's awesome. And I guess now we just need to see if it, uh, if it sticks around. I don't know if you want to talk about it now. I thought probably the other big thematic thing. I mean, a lot of times you know, we I think where you go. Game. I think I know where you're going, but I, Lineups, I do want to get the rotations. Yes. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, well, I, I just I think that you know we we spoke about it on the last pod, and and now I, I don't want to be too over reactionary to one game. Um, Marvin Williams, I think, was very notable that he came in in the first quarter i almost felt like i i heard uh i don't want to be disrespectful to ersan i love ersan but i felt like there was almost an audible like sigh of relief when everyone saw marvin williams come to the scorer's table uh in the first quarter uh to be clear Ilya Sova was active tonight uh he i'm looking at the box score here he got the dmp coach's decision marvin williams plays 19 minutes and again you know offensively we're I don't know that uh, we're going to see a whole lot from him outside of shooting threes. We did see him put the ball on the floor a little bit and get a, a shoot a nice floater tonight. I still think that he's been pretty hesitant on uh, shooting those threes. I think that his trigger will come. He missed the corner three that was open. But uh, outside of that, he's just solid defensively. And we spoke about this when the Bucks got him. I just feel really confident when he comes on the floor that defensively he's going to be able to do the job for you. At times, I haven't felt that way with Ersan, just because we, we spoke about this. You know, when he gets on smaller guys, at times he can be exposed a little bit. I just don't feel that way with Marvin. And the fact that he came in tonight in a really big game and, and was the guy that Bud said, yeah, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be playing the, the backup four here. I, I don't know. I mean, this could quite easily change by the next game, so I don't want to go too overboard. But considering the, the magnitude of this game and whether or not either team wanted to admit it too much. You could tell that both teams wanted to win this game. I think it's, it's absolutely noteworthy that, uh, that Marvin came in and played this game. The other thing that we spoke about, and I did, we can tie all this together, but when, when we talk about Embiid and the effect that he had uh, offensively, 5 for 18 from the field tonight, just 17 points. He was minus 18. We spoke about this last time the Bucks played the Sixers again tonight. I felt the, uh, the combined defensive presence of the Lopez brothers was very clear. I'm not sure whether it was clear to see on the TV, but where we were sitting at the arena, every time the Sixers tried to get Embiid a post-touch, oftentimes Embiid would have to bail out of that idea, get out to the perimeter to get the ball and sort of try and get something happening on the dribble or get himself moving. The Lopez brothers are, are causing him <laughs> big troubles in terms of just their size. And again, we talk about Embiid's ability to get through a game. So if you talk about the, the rotation and, and the bigs coming off the bench, 
the combination of Marvin Williams and Robin Lopez tonight was pretty effective. Yeah, the interesting thing, I mean, the, the thing that jumped out to me in that first quarter was, I mean, you mentioned obviously Marvin Williams being the the backup for essentially is is obviously something that we were, you know, was pretty clearly hoping to see more of. And and again, I'm not thinking like, oh, now Ursan's just going to like DNP CD the rest no, of the yeah, season. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, I think we're, we, we know Bud too well to expect that. But yeah. um, I think it was important to see Bud, you know, in what game three or whatever of the Marvin right. Williams yep. era, um, the fact that he was willing to throw him out there in the backup forward role um, and not, you know, feel like he's got to baby him and <laughs> ease him in even further or that he's got to get Ursan minutes or whatever. Um, I thought that was important. Now we just need to see him have that faith, you know, kind of moving <laughs> forward. And, and you have to have obviously Williams repay that trust. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I think he hit a, a fourth quarter three. We haven't really seen him shoot shoot that well here in this very, very, very small sample. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you just you mentioned it. Just his his just defensive versatility. Like you know, against a team like Philly, he's disruptive. It, yeah, I mean that, that I forget who was on. Uh, I don't know if it was Burks or somebody, but what was it fourth quarter where he like kind of fought over a screen and got back into a play and blocked the ball and almost saved it to to keep yeah. a possession alive and you know ended up kind of going into the 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 crowd behind the basket you know because his momentum carried him out and you know he just started high fiving some fans who kind of like looked you know held out their hands and he was getting the crowd fired up and and again that was just kind of awesome to see because. Yeah that type of versatility and the fact that, you know, we talk about the point guards and the way they need to rear contest and kind of fight back into, into plays after they get high screened. Um, you know, certainly if you've got a guy like Marvin who can certainly switch and, you know, kind of rotate between front court positions much better than Ursan can defensively, at least just from like a moving your foot perspective, um, you know, seeing him have a chance at least, uh, tonight was was encouraging, and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely excited to see it. It gives them a look that they don't normally have. And tonight, it's important too because, you know, I mean, who who would Ursan have guarded? Right, that's a question. We saw, yeah. um, obviously, they're not going with Horford in the starting five anymore. So there's really nobody, you know, certainly with the starters, six or starters. There's nobody, you know, there's no like slow guy that you feel good about, like a you know more traditional non, you know, not great footwork. No, I don't want to say footwork but not great foot speed guy like Urson defending not that he's starting um but in the in, in the uh, the uh, the this kind of second unit it was interesting we saw even in the first quarter they pulled Giannis early which they did in the last game against Philly as well I think Giannis came out the seven minute mark and he basically like didn't even sit down because he was going to come in like a minute or two later it was almost like they were bait trying to bait them to take and beat out and Philly did and then they couldn't get him back in the rest of the quarter um, and then Giannis ends up playing a lot of center minutes against Horford in the first quarter. Um, so it was interesting because we didn't see Rolo in the first quarter either, right. I don't think. Um, and even though he ended up playing 18 minutes, it was a much more, you know, we always kind of, I think, think about Bud as, as being a guy who sort of plays his rotations, especially in the first half, kind of irrespective of what the other team's doing. Like, it's just like, we worry about us and this is who we have, and this is what we're going to do, and it's going to be about us. And then the second half, we'll adjust as needed. Tonight, I mean, it was a very – it was much more of like a playoff mindset where it was, you know, we're not going to put guys out there that we think we're going to lose matchups. And part of that is Marvin Williams. Part of that is, you know, not putting uh, centers out there if you don't have to when you have Giannis, for instance. Um, and so I thought that piece was interesting. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned – uh, Rolo and, and Brooke. I mean, as much as we saw some small ball, like we've seen pretty regularly with Giannis at center, 
Um, I mean, those guys still played 42 minutes or yeah, so exactly. combined, which kind of surprised me. It didn't feel like uh, the Bucks kind of were traditionally big as much of the game as, as they ultimately were. Um, so a lot of credit to those guys. I thought the play maybe that stood out the most was, was it in the, it was in the third quarter. Um, Embiid looked like he had uh, a dunk. Pat Connaughton comes back and kind of like gets a finger on it as Embiid's going up from behind. So it's not like kind of a real like obvious block, but he kind of jarred a loose ball and goes flying over the hoop. I don't know if Pat was credited with a block. He certainly should have been. And then uh, Embiid gets it back. Looks like he's going to have kind of a short hook shot. And I don't know if, if Rolo got a piece of it, but basically forced another miss. Yeah. Um, and Glenn Robinson then dunked the, the miss. So, you know, it actually wasn't a good result for the Bucks. but I think just as far as, you know, the way that they frustrated Embiid gave him like nothing kind of easy, you know, aside from that like little burst in the second quarter where he kind of got going a little bit, um, he just had a really hard time with, with the Lopez brothers and, you know, big credit to them um, because uh, obviously we're, we, we know what, what Brooke in particular can do defensively, um, but there aren't many teams where you really need those guys to kind of be stout in the post, right? Normally when we think about them, it's about rim sure. protection against guards, wings driving. This is a game where you actually need them to be big in the post, not give up, not take cheap fouls. Etc. And you know, I think in general they they did a really really nice job tonight. Obviously, the the Embiid numbers kind of kind of speak for themselves. Um, and I thought just the just the, it was just fascinating, like the some of the back and forth we saw. I mean, we, you know, some of the like the what what each team was trying to do. I mean, we talked about in the last game um, that like super snug like five foot from the basket, four or five pick and roll between Simmons and Embiid. They ran that play like twice in the first two minutes this game. Um, and also, it was interesting from the Bucks' perspective, you know, we've talked a fair bit about how the Bucks have been more, I think, more cognizant of using Brooke and trying to go out mismatches when teams go try to go small against him. Yeah. And, um, tonight was interesting because, you know, normally you think of that when Brooke is out there and there isn't a traditional center, right? I think about like that Kings game where, you know, Harrison Barnes and Brooks were, Brooks were kind of going at it in, uh, in, for, for a short bit. But tonight it was interesting because, they had Embiid out there, but Embiid was guarding Giannis, right? And so it was like Tobias Harris or basically a wing having to guard uh, Brooke. And, um, you know, he had some success. Unfortunately, probably maybe the thing I remember most was him, like, looked like he was about to just put a dude under the rim and dunk on him, and then he <laughs> missed a dunk. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a, a really nice kind of cat and mouse type thing. And, again, just sort of throwing different looks um, at the Bucks and sort of saying, all right, we're going to do this. How are, how are you going to try to take advantage of that? And, obviously – leveraging Brooke. He didn't shoot the ball well from three tonight, um, but he was able to do some things down low, which obviously is important. And, you know, we saw Rolo throwing in some hook shots <laughs> as, as he uh, is wont to do as well. So, um, you know, certainly I think in the summer when Rolo was signed, we said, all right, that's a move you make when Philly looks like the other team in the East that you need to compete against the most. And certainly, you know, okay, on a night like this, you'd say, yeah, that uh, you feel pretty good about about that sign. You feel pretty good about what those the brothers are uh, are able to do for you against a guy like Embiid. Yeah, it was interesting to to look at the matchups in this one because, as you sort of pointed to, now that Horford's not in the starting lineup, and there's a reason he's not in the starting lineup because it was just not working. And with Horford uh, trying to work in the uh, within the three point line, Embiid trying to work within the three point line, Ben Simmons, uh, that's the only area he operates. Uh, they had to get Horford out of there. But this is a clear advantage. And this, I think, honestly, Bud deserves some credit for this because 
the interesting thing when you look at the box score, Brook Lopez zero free throws, and he deserves like some sort of award. Or everyone should just take a leaf out of Brook Lopez's book. The fact that he didn't get a tech foul tonight because uh, he spent more time on the ground tonight than I think he has all season long, and he was very very frustrated. Uh, through the second and third quarter when the game was uh, still still a game at that point. So he had reason to be frustrated. Uh, he looked like he was working through a hell of a lot of contact. And we've seen this before. If you get a small guy uh, defending a, a genuine big, oftentimes the, the officials will swallow the whistle. But, you know, that's what I like. If Because uh, the thought process is, well, if you have Giannis and Lopez on the floor, that's why Brooke is out on the three-point line to let Giannis work where he wants to work. But... We've seen the Sixers, they were super quick to try and get a double team on Giannis any time uh, that, that he had the ball uh, driving to the basket. We already spoke about the impact Embiid had. So if then you say, well, all right, well, you can do that, but we're also going to post up uh, Brooke whenever we can or get him the ball in the paint. He's going to be standing there. He's going to have a little guy on him. I think all of a sudden the, the advantage quickly swung in the Bucks' favor. And this is something we've seen a lot more this season using Brook down there. Uh, he was only one for five from three tonight. So uh, maybe the all-star break came at a bad time for, for him. He was, he was starting to hit those threes um, uh, prior to the break. So him being able to still be a factor in the post or closer to the basket is huge. And it's, it's another wrinkle that the Bucks are going to be able to have. And, and one other guy I just wanted to mention, Eric Bledsoe, I, I thought particularly in the first quarter, really set the tone. He scored the first basket of the game, uh, catch and shoot three from the corner, from the right corner. And, uh, you know, we know that those catch and shoot opportunities are going to be there for him from three, particularly when it comes to the playoffs. He's going to be able to shoot those all all day long. So whether it's from the corner, whether it's from the wing, uh, him being able to knock down those catch and shoot opportunities uh, is very, very important. He finished two for five from three on the night, so very respectable. Uh, he only had the 12 points, but eight assists, four rebounds. I thought in the first half when uh, you already spoke about the 12-2 run they had to start, but right through the first quarter or, uh, or first quarter, second quarter, he was always probing and he was always putting pressure on the Sixers' defense. Every time he gets the ball, we know that he looks to push the, push the tempo, push the pace, and as we already pointed to, put pressure on these Sixers guys to get back on defense. Uh, I thought he was pretty influential in the first half without having a huge impact on the box score. And uh, I think it's worth mentioning. I thought there were two or three occasions where he drove and had really impressive finishes at the rim where it yep. was, you know, like when, when, when Embiid and Pusik was Embiid, back yeah. there. Yeah. You, you just, I mean, you, you got to be so quick to attack when he maybe takes a step in the wrong direction or, you know, he's helping out on one side and, um, or, or if he's getting back in transition or whatever it might be. And I thought there were a couple examples of Bledsoe um, really kind of using that, that turbo button um, to, to exploit, you know, and be giving that maybe crack of daylight. There was one kind of nice little give and go um, as well that, that Bledsoe managed to finish on. And, and again, that's really difficult, especially given obviously Eric is, you know, as athletic as he is, you know, he's not, he's not Giannis. He doesn't have, you know, that ridiculous reach where you can just, you know, easily reach up. Like he's got to load up. He's got to really kind of get up quickly to, to be able to score on, on a guy like Joel. So um, yeah, I mean, there was, <laughs> there was one uh, early clock mid range shot. I remember Eric taking, yeah. which really kind of uh, was like, come on, this feels like the Jason Kidd era blood. So and again, he's still liable to, to take some of those early clock shots. The threes I'm probably more okay with than, than those early clock 
mid rangers. But um, yeah, overall, I mean, you mentioned he had a couple of those early threes, and I'd say every t- anytime you know Bledsoe and Giannis are able to kind of hit early threes, you always feel like a little bit better. It feels like the kind of pressure release valve is is kind of um, you know released a bit um, because uh, obviously those guys can can sometimes be pretty good and sometimes uh can be really non-factors from three right um so both those guys uh combining for four out of ten tonight from three obviously is is a is a nice plus and ironically um bucks not shooting the lights out otherwise at 34 percent for the night um but it, it was interesting looking at the box score um you know they were only 46 to 36 i think uh advantage in the paint um which i think you know, more impressive the defensive numbers than the offensive numbers. We're used to seeing them crack 50 points a night in the paint. Um, speaks a little bit to the fact that it wasn't Giannis just, you know, getting 31 points by just dominating uh, the restricted area as like he often does. Um, but I think they were up 22 to 8 in the mid-range game, which is an area obviously you don't think of the Bucks like wanting to live in the mid-range. But, you know, Middleton is just overflowing with confidence right now on pretty much any jump shot uh, in two out of six from three. So a, a very off night for Chris from three in that regard. Um, but he, again, was just lights out from mid range, just kind of anytime he had a little bit of, little bit of daylight, um, he was liable to, to really punish the Sixers. And, um, you know, Jan, even when Giannis is hitting those mid range shots, you know, then you, you feel, start to feel pretty good about the buck. So um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the stat that jumped out at me, we talk a lot about the two point percentage, breakdown and you know interesting usually there's there's a high correlation between the points and the paint obviously and the two-point percentage differential but bucks were almost 69 percent on twos tonight and the sixers were 36 percent i think so uh again i mean that's just such a huge uh differential you know like anytime you're taking a two and you expect you know your expected points per shot is almost 1.4 versus the other team at, you know, 0.7 something. I mean, that's just such a huge number to try to, to overcome. And again, you know, is, is some of the lights out shooting from mid range? Is that like uh, super sustainable? Well, I mean, Chris Middleton has been doing it all season. Um, but uh, again, I mean, this was just the Bucks again, showing that they can beat teams. They don't need to shoot the lights out from three, even though, you know, they had one more three tonight. Um, obviously Philly has had two big, big shooting nights from three, as you mentioned the other day. Uh, and I think tonight we just saw, you know, when, when they're not lights out from three, um, the Bucks just have advantages they can exploit in, in just many other facets of the game, even though they didn't shoot a lot of free throws early on in this game. So the other thing that, uh, probably worth mentioning, I mean, the crowd was great tonight. I mean, it was packed, uh, obviously Saturday night helps, uh, the game was on ABC obviously, but, uh, record crowd, 18,290. Uh, I would say that a 12-2 run at the gate in a, in a big game against a rival is always going to get people uh, fired up, but uh, there was definitely no later rivals tonight. It was a big crowd, and obviously uh, the Bucks put in a pretty damn good performance. They're 48-8 and eight now, so uh, uh, they're just cruising. But another big week coming up here. Uh, they traveled to Washington to play on Monday night, but then Tuesday night, they're in Toronto. So obviously, uh, you know, we, we spoke about this. They're going to have some difficult games coming up or, or some games against better teams anyway. I mean, they might prove us all wrong and prove that none of these games are actually difficult for them. But it uh, starts this week. Toronto, I haven't seen them for a long, long, long time. I was sitting, I th- I'm pretty sure I watched the last Toronto game in my backyard 
in Australia. I think it was like, it was like 95, 96 degrees, something like that. Uh, that was quite a while away, quite a while ago. But, you know, if they could keep playing these teams at the top of the East where it's supposed to be a difficult matchup and they blow the doors off them, then uh, I don't think there's going to be too many complaints from us. And as always, the Sixers are, I mean, it always feels good to beat the Sixers, particularly after Christmas Day, and even more so. Although it feels like every Bucks game with the Sixers is on national TV, but uh, I think uh, we sort of spoke about this, I think, uh, off-air after the last podcast. But, uh, you know, for this, for this Bucks team, they lose to a team like Philadelphia. I would say that the next few days might have been worth not watching too much NBA coverage on TV or not listening to too much NBA coverage on TV. We'll see how much uh, they actually read into this one. There might be more of a narrative about the fact that Ben Simmons didn't play. And that's, that's not, uh, you know, overlook that. Clearly a big loss for the Sixers. And we see how quickly they grind to a halt when Simmons isn't out there. Uh, but uh, ultimately, or altogether, this was a pretty fun Saturday night. For sure. And uh, I think that was reported after the game that Simmons was going to an MRI in his back. So yeah. I, I think he's missed game other games this year with, with kind of similar types of back injuries. So, um, you know, there was the report on ABC that, oh, well, he was going to go to the, the uh, locker room for treatment kind of regularly during this game. That was like part of their plan. But I mean, you could see, I mean, he actually had a couple of really nice drives for finishes. Um, it wasn't like he was looking like he was a shell of himself or something like that. But then uh, he came down awkwardly apparently or, or something right before he left in the first quarter. And, you know, they, they showed a footage of him coming off the floor. I mean, he, he just didn't look right. It was like, he's kind of limping, kind of favoring his back. And um, obviously if this is a recurring thing, a longer term thing, then I mean, obviously there could be huge implications as much as people, you know, talk about Embiid and Simmons maybe being, you know, destined to, be better off playing without one another. Obviously the current version of the Sixers, you know, cannot win and contend without both of them. Um, and so losing either of them would obviously be just a crippling blow, especially given where they are in the standings, right? Going potentially, well, at this point, you know, not having home court entering the night at the fifth spot. Um, if you lost Simmons and, you know, didn't kind of start to play better then I think even the sixth seed begins to kind of come and play and, obviously with how bad they've been on the road. That's, that's a huge deal. Should point out as well. I forget the stats exactly, but I saw, I've seen a couple of people quote it. Like, you know, as much as people got excited about Simmons and kind of the, the Sixers having some good outings without Embiid, I think they were like one of the worst teams offensively in the league when Embiid was out. So <laughs> the idea that like Ben Simmons and, and at least this team as currently constructed is somehow going to, you know, be able to really, perform at a super high level without Embiid, you know, no, that's, that ain't going to happen. And likewise, I think, um, you know, we saw tonight, um, you know, Tobias Harris is really held in check, just three out of 10 shooting tonight. Uh, obviously Embiid struggled Horford just, I mean, you didn't even notice him offensively for much of the night. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> Alec Burks has been much better than we saw tonight. He, he really didn't do anything. Um, he obviously was probably the, the quote unquote big acquisition that they made at the deadline, even if, um, Glenn Robinson was sort of the token, uh, starter now with, with Horford going to the bench. But, um, you know, I'd say Robinson, I mean, not a terrible three point shooter, but let's just say this. I do not think that the bucks were particularly worried about where Glenn <laughs> Robinson was on the court at any point tonight. Um, and with Burks, you know, he obviously can put a lot more pressure on you with, with his ability to, I mean, he's become actually a pretty respectable three point shooter as well as a 
fact that he can put it on the floor. But, um, you know, he obviously also just couldn't really get anything going against the Bucs. And, I mean, look, Bucs have been doing that all season. That's why they're the best defensive team in the league. And, um, you know, uh, as you said, I don't think this is going to change any narrative. So nobody's going to be excited to recap a Saturday night game when the, the next round of national podcasts come out on Monday, Tuesday. Um, unless of course it's, you know, Simmons being out for a longer period with, with that back injury. So, um, you know, again, if you're the Bucks, just keep banking these wins, keep giving nobody, uh, a, a reason to, uh, to doubt you and, you know, keeping that boring world conquering all dominating regular season team and getting your reps in. And as we, I think pointed out, you know, probably again, some of the rotations lineups, the four or five lineups in particular, I think that was probably the most interesting, just given what it might suggest about options that Bucks have, um, not just this week, not just next month, but, um, you know, for the rest of the season. So yeah, fun, another, another fun, fun Saturday night against the Sixers and, um, still a, a bunch of big games coming up here with, uh, Toronto on, on Tuesday. So, um, you know, Bucks will continue to get tested and hopefully they will just continue to do what they've been doing all season. Yeah, just business as usual. The Bucks, as I said, moved to 48 and 8. They proved that they are still the team to beat in the East. And Giannis, maybe he said after the game that he didn't and he took no uh, notice of what Joel Embiid said. And he actually respects Embiid for saying that he thinks he's the best player in the world because everyone should feel that way. But maybe on the inside, Giannis again wanted to send a message to a guy who he's actually friends with. Those two are friends, but there's no doubt once I get on the court, things change. Giannis, just ridiculous. Another 30.9 in under 30 minutes. Uh, He continues to steam towards another MVP, maybe a unanimous MVP. I don't know, but he, to me, is so far ahead of the pack. It's it's just ridiculous right now. But like I said, the Bucs will be in action on Monday night in Washington, Tuesday night in Toronto. Frank, I appreciate you hanging out. Uh, we, we always joke about our social lives on here, but it's midnight on Saturday night. So uh, we will wrap this up here and be back for that Washington game. So for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys next time.